Hello listeners, welcome back to another inspiring episode of Trifantry Chronicles. Today we travel all the way to Singapore to have a conversation with Enrico Varela. Enrico is an inspiring individual at age 54 he has completed 23 full ironmans 1870.3 ironmans he has done boston marathon thrice he has done multiple world marathons today we discuss with him the long term effects of endurance sports bodybuilding nutrition training and most importantly aging enrico is a cxo level executive coach he makes ceos do better He's a writer, he's a author, he's a blogger. He's also a magician. So sit back and enjoy this entire episode. I am your host, Iron Man coach Nishan Bhardwaj. You can subscribe to my YouTube channel Try Fantry Train Endure Conquer. Mark Twain says age is a matter of mind and if you don't mind it doesn't matter this uh, sums up the next guest i'm super excited to have enrico varela from singapore today thank you for listening thank you for joining in you have to watch this episode till the very end because our today's guest is a 54 year old 23 time full ironman 18 times half ironman and many 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 numbers of full and half marathons there could not be a more inspiring figure for any age group regardless of what age group you are in please welcome mr enrico varela from singapore welcome to the show sir thank you for doing this and giving us your time Thank you, Nishan. Thank, I, it's an absolute pleasure to be included in this uh, series, uh, Chronicles Trifantry, and I'm very honoured to be interviewed by you. It is my uh, absolute pleasure, uh, guys. Uh, if you've uh, uh, not uh, followed him on his Instagram profile, uh, please check it out. Super inspiring figure. He's been into different forms of uh, fitness for many, many decades now. in fact we came across uh, each other when we raced together in ironman goa ironman 70.3 in goa and it was an absolute pleasure to see you race and whiz past me so many times did i really pass did i really pass you i think you is yeah the way around you passed me several times <laughs> <laughs> we we all did at some point we were going in loops so yeah yes you were it is a, a memorable day it was my very memorable day with the jellyfish things <laughs> none of us can forget that uh, so many of us got stung and uh, unfortunately some of us were ejected out of the race because of this uh, gruesome uh, sort of uh, you know injuries and pe- some people could not complete or race so uh, i mean uh, thank thanks to god that we could actually finish it <laughs> yes i think it was a amazing achievement one it being uh, india's very first Uh, IMN branded uh, event. I mean, who's really, for me it was be absolutely crazy not to participate in it. But I think the entire experience was um, awesome and amazing because of the sheer joy and enthusiasm and intensity of uh, activity here. Yeah? So everyone was a winner that day. So if you're listening into this program, those my friends and 
competitors from uh, Ironman 70.3 Goa. It was an absolute honor and pleasure to race alongside Indian nationals and internationals. You are you very kind uh, to uh, acknowledge uh, the other competitors as well. I would uh, want to kick start this off by asking a bit about your background, what you do and uh, what prompted you to get into it. And before I do that, uh, I also want to highlight this, that uh, Enrico was also a professional uh, weightlifter, bodybuilder, if, if, is that what we yeah, call it? From 90 to 93, he uh, uh, you know, participated in international competitions along with professionals uh, into weightlifting and then uh, he proceeded into his uh, endurance journey. So please uh, start off with your background and uh, tell us a bit about your athletic background. Okay, uh, thank you, Nishan. Uh, athletic background was actually very mild. Uh, I did not discover my athletic um, prowess or potential until I was late into my teens. So in secondary school, I, I, I was actually a poor runner. And then I just, when puberty kicked in, and I, um, I became a much better, better runner. So I moved from last in the cross country to the top 10. And um, along the way, I realized with, uh, I did weight training. So I fashioned uh, homemade sets of bodybuilding. My father was an amateur bodybuilder, so he influenced me. And uh, when I started lifting weights, uh, can you imagine a hockey stick, stick with uh, weights, uh, the makeshift weights, and then they were my barbell, and, yeah. and um, I, I became stronger. So since then, if I may, I found that uh, strength and conditioning is a very important part of my athletic journey, including my journey as an endurance uh, athlete. And um, so I did that for a while and uh, I discovered bodybuilding in my junior college, uh, seriously. So my college, my junior college, when I was 18 years old, had a competition and it went live. And um, I got second in my, in, my, in my school. And that was, um, although it was an embarrassing and glaring experience, I learned to cope uh, with, um, you know, you cope with the uh, publicity. I think that was also the early days when I learned how to talk to the press yeah, so I, okay. and also that was one um, segue to becoming a journalist. Now anyway, in 1990-1993, I decided to take part in the national bodybuilding competition. Now bodybuilding essentially is how you shape your body, sculpture your body to look good with weights. So um, I didn't do actual weightlifting, but, so I did weight trainings and did bodybuilding. Um, real story, I gave myself, I think it was like eight I had eight weeks to prepare, and I was quite a lean and athletic, skinny person. And uh, when I signed up, everybody thought, you are mad. You don't even look like a bodybuilder. I mean, I had a frame of a thousand leg frame. However, um, I gave myself a challenge. In eight weeks, I put on seven kilograms. I slept a lot. I trained hard, ate very well. And I got my first third placing on the national, uh, on the, uh, national for an age, my, age, my age group. And that kick-started the whole process and I continued for another three more years. So all in all, on a national level, which means Singapore level, um, I, I earned three bronzes and one silver. Wow, yeah. unbelievable. Is that even possible, like uh, molding or changing your body in such a short time? Is it possible? Is it healthy to do it? Um, I would like to think I did it a healthy way. So I, I, I use a lot of sleep and sleep is such an important component in one's athletic uh, career, if you will and um, eating well, nutrition. I was really into, at the time, low-fat, 
high protein and high carbohydrate. So I literally watched every drop of fat that went to my body. You know, um, strangely enough, I, I ate up to twenty egg whites a day, um, chicken breast, plain rice. You know, so it was quite um, uh, what's the word for it? Very Spartan, uh, but it worked for me. And, and with my minim minimal, you know, uh, experience. Um, however, I, I, I progressed a little on because I, I did not want to stay too long in a sport, which uh, I'd make a decision whereby, you know, if I had to become world-class or even better, I need to use pharmaceutical assistance, if you know what I mean. Yeah, so I, I did not want to go there. Time machine. <laughs> and um, about uh, 20, 0, 2002, I met a friend of mine called Craig Holland, who was my very first coach. He got me smitten by the whole idea of triathlon. He was constantly winning weekend awards and triathlons at local club level and all that. And um, he eventually did his Ironman in 2000 and I think in the middle of 2005, I believe. So he was my first coach and um, I was really smitten by the whole notion of uh, endurance multi-sports. So, and that has been my main sport since 2002. Started running. First 10K in practice was horrible. I still remember that day. But my, my coach, uh, Craig Collins, said, Enrico, horrible, right? But at least you finished it. You know? So next time, remember, even if you are struggling, just finish your workout. And that stuck to me, the discipline of training. And then a few people along the way uh, I was influenced by. Uh, I read about this lady called Sister Madonna Buddha. You probably know him. Catholic nun who was in a Nike advertisement. I read her about her in a book called Now, which was written by Phil Keegan. Phil Keegan was the, is the host of Amazing Race, a New Zealander. So he's, he wrote a book about doing life's challenges, a bucket list of 20 things you want to do. And for him, it was an Iron Man. So when I read more about Iron Man, I was like, wow, this is amazing. Because in 1984, um, when I was in junior college, I watched a program called ABC White World of Sports. And I saw a clip of the Iron Man in Hawaii. It looked horrible, it looked terrible, and I wouldn't have done it, but it looked at the same time very exciting, and you know, something deep inside. I think it was the seed that was planted. And um, I'm glad up in 2006, I did my first Ironman. And that's pretty much the journey so far. Wow, wow. It is, uh, I have goosebumps when I'm, I'm listening to your stories. Uh, 2002, you started your endurance journey, and 2005, you completed your first Ironman. Is that so? 2006, I did my first full Ironman. But before that, I did uh, several half Ironmans and, uh, and similar races. And uh, as I understand, uh, they, in last 15, 16 years, you've transitioned through four different age groups from 30, 34 to now 50 uh, to 55. Is that the age group you're... <laughs> I started, I think it was a 35 to 39 age group and I've since progressed up to four age group. Now I'm in my 50, 55 to 59. I just earned my badge of honor. Wow, that is amazing. Uh, after doing over 40 uh, Ironman races and uh, several uh, marathons and half marathons, uh, I would really want to tell, uh, ask you is that uh, how is each race different from each other and does it become easier and better as you go along or each race is different? Well, it's a very good question. Again, it's a million dollar question. Does it ever get easier? A simple answer, yes, if you are disciplined to keep consistent with your preparation. Now, 
the larger answer would be, the more complex answer would be, if this is part of your lifestyle, then it won't seem like hard work. It is hard work. It's sheer hard work preparing for a, a race. So I may take about four months to prepare for a marathon or up to five months to prepare for an Ironman, um, full Ironman race. However, um, as you age, you need to be mindful of certain practices that will enhance your longevity. Because if we mentioned injuries, injuries will probably be the spanner that will disarm and dismember your entire strategy for preparation. So you want to stay healthy and injury-free. So does it get easier? It gets easier when you're your youngest in the age group, which I am now. Um, as, you get, as you advance to becoming the older one in your age group, it is a bit more challenging. But, you know, we thrive on the competition, don't we? Absolutely, yeah. Also, I mean, if you're youngest in a certain age group, you were the oldest also just a year back. So, <laughs> Yes, I remember a very humbling lesson I did in 2006 in New Zealand and then subsequently in a few more races. So I was um, cramping up doing my 180-kilometer bike ride in the Ironman New Zealand. And then I believe um, as I was cramping up, I was trying to massage it away and try to find salt because I was not very familiar with the concept of electrolyte replacement. And then this lady came up to me and said, are you okay? So in my prideful moment, I said, I'm fine. Thank you very much. Have a good race. But deep down inside, I wasn't, uh, I was struggling. And then I saw on her ankle, on the calf, it was written in permanent marker. Uh, I think she was somewhere, I believe she was 50 to 54 age group. And uh, I told myself, Never be out chicked again. <laughs> Amazing story. Uh, just uh, segueing to the fact that you talked about longevity in endurance sport. And uh, I think endurance sport is something that you can do for decades to come as well. It's not just what you've done in the past, but uh, maybe I would want you, I want to see you uh, race in your 80s and 90s as well. Uh, Please uh, enlighten us through your own journey of how uh, to increase longevity, how to avoid journey, uh, injuries and what are the kind of foods and sleep patterns that people in general in their 30s, 40s or 50s should apply to increase longevity. Oh, that's a, that is a, one of the you know, questions you know, uh, that we discuss and bounce around a lot. Um, if I just take a step back, you know, um, longevity, Let's take the other view of the spectrum. Uh, instead of saying, uh, why would some people continue to the latter years doing multi endurance multi-sports? Uh, the other question would be, why would some of them drop out of it prematurely? Or why don't they last as long as you think it is? So coming back to my response earlier, is if it's a lifestyle, uh, we are probably likely to do want to do um, We want to do it because we want to do it because we enjoy doing it. However, if it's like a challenge, sometimes I mean, indeed we inject challenges, those are short-term goals, you know, so you do it, take a break, and then you come back to it, just like um, qualifying for Boston Marathon, for instance, you know, if that's what you want to do, spend some period of time, do it, get it done, get out of the system, and then you do something else. But uh, longevity in sports, I believe, is something that comes from both physiological uh, demands as well as, um, you know, uh, environmental and lifestyle demands. I think we need to take care of our body. So as you see more and more participants who come into the sport at a later age, 
Yeah, yeah. More, you see the density is more perhaps in the 30s and upwards, right? or 35 and upwards. Um, it's interesting to not see how they can um, continue to do this sport and enjoy you know, the rewards that we reap. I, I don't know whether I answer your question specifically. Uh, and I somehow get the feeling that we need to do an entire episode, uh, different episode on the longevity and daily rituals of a age group athlete. Yes, um, then, and then we will include a few more others who are still in the sport for a longer while. I, I mean, in the sport for about 18 years. So I did Ironman in 2006. So this is probably my 15 year of racing in the full Ironman. Yeah? Um, I would like to, 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 to do more of it through time. At least one Ironman triathlon a year to complete. Um, but I, I become more cognizant of the fact that I just need to be smarter about my body. Um, listen to my, my coaches. And they're a very important part in my journey altogether and um, do what I'm capable of doing uh, with my resources and my abilities. Yeah, I think that's important. Absolutely. You've uh, touched upon the most uh, important uh, topic of this discussion also is that how important has uh, coaching been in your uh, journey through different sports and now 18 years of uh, endurance sport? Is coaching required? Should you do it? And should you... Uh, get started with it, learn everything, and then stop having a coach? These two, three que related questions, I would love to hear your uh, views on it. Okay. I, I got to be mindful how I answer this because I'm also an executive uh, coach in corporations. You know, um, I think coaching is just a process that is useful at the certain stages of your development as a triathlete or, or a marathon runner also for that matter. Um, I think... Um, I was, I was very fortunate to have my first coach, Craig Holland, uh, was an associate trainer with me, and we are, we are good friends today, who got, guided me into the whole process uh, nicely and also sensibly. So he did not overwhelm me with too much information. You know, he kept it fun. He ran with me. You know, he got me, went swimming with me in open water and all that. So I, I, I appreciated the nice bits of the experience. So he said, you know, he said, if you, it's not fun, you know, you know, what's the point of doing it persistently, right? So we persist because it has to be something we're passionate about. We persist because it's something we uh, find ourselves, sort of an expression of ourselves in it. So like artists paint, uh, magicians perform magic, um, athletes, uh, the weekend athlete expresses himself or herself through racing. So we, we express ourselves. You know? uh, so I think that's always that the wisdom behind this. So I, 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 I went for public clinics, for Triton clinics first. I enjoyed that process with mass, uh, mass audience. And subsequently, I realized I need to work on things like uh, swimming um, and um, running and biking. So not necessarily in that order, but yeah. Uh, like you mentioned earlier in the earlier episodes, you know, like you two have an Achilles heel, which is swimming uh, at one time. Uh, so, so do I. Not because it's my Achilles heel, it's because I'm lazy. So sometimes a coach's job is to motivate you or remind you to put in the work because you told them originally that was a goal. So they are there to remind you to stick to the plan if you still want it. So I think the role of a coach is um, very useful uh, at different stages of your career. Um, but having a, a program is important. So at least it gives you a schedule. It gives you a, a guidance. Absolutely. Uh, just yesterday, I was uh, chatting up with my uh, coaches and we were discussing about uh, the same thing which is consistency is always far greater than being uh, able to push each time 
so you can push maybe a couple of times but if you are consistent and even if you are performing at 30 40 50% of your capacities but you are doing it every single day you will beat the person who's pushing 10 times over on over a long period of time so i think that's how also you increase uh, the longevity in a sport and decrease the effects of uh, these unwanted injuries that uh, happen due to overuse or over pushing in fact uh, i was uh, listening to this uh, training program in kenya there's a place called eaton where most of the elite uh, runners from across the world including elliot kepchuge and entire team and in running team trains and uh, you would not believe uh, they train 6 days a week they do about uh, 12 to 18 sessions uh, in a particular week and more than 60% of their sessions are actually at 40 to 50% efforts and slow runs they do not ever run fast it's only one session per day out of the three two to three sessions that they have that they actually run faster so that's i think also answers the question of going faster and going longer over a period of time right the, the, those guys the world class marathoners who train in in uh, south africa i think they just dynamic metabolic speed machines yeah so they they they, they focus on um uh lower lower impact intensity work and then they they become very fat efficient and uh, that's why they 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 continue to break the barriers of uh you know our human belief of what's possible you no know? can we do it in less than 2 hours a full marathon and this is amazing because so they, they 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 are testament to the training and they are so very uh, diligent as well as very disciplined in the whole process and that matters a lot yeah i think yeah that's uh, that's what matters uh, consistency over uh, speed and those kind of things is what beats uh, even world class uh, training programs so uh, this is an important uh, time when we discuss your marathonic uh, journey as well you've been uh, you've done boston marathon three times and various other uh, world majors would you please uh, tell us a little bit about your journey and uh what all what how many marathons you've done and you know what was the Ma- boston marathon journey like okay i'll i'll keep it um brief um i wasn't i never i i wasn't and i never intend to do do the world major series for marathon because they're getting very hard to just to qualify this because the lottery is like uh a remote right? chance of winning so uh what i did was um, uh to so put in perspective was in about 2010 I did my very first world major it was then not really it was recognized as a world major but it wasn't called a world major so I did Berlin and Berlin was my first time where I realized I could do well I think I had a 337 in Berlin marathon so I was very happy because I'm not only a, you know I went under 3 out of 45 uh, so in my country I was probably 170th 160 position in my country when i went there it was so humbling i was 7700 position in the entire field so that tells you the 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 depth of field you know? so it's very humbling so um in so i the reason why i take part in the marathons international marathons are for two things uh definitely spark my vacation i want to travel to those places where i can have a vacation there after i think in your earlier uh interview with um, uh, natasha pool you asked her what uh, favorite continents of or place or races you would enjoy doing again so i i tend to repeat most races i'm a creature of habit so uh, i did um 
Boston Marathon three times, Berlin twice, and Chicago once. Uh, the other three I've not done, not because I don't want to do them, I just have to think of another creative way to get on board. Um, so uh, essentially why I do them, I'm driven by the challenge of, um, of doing well. So I look for courses which allows me to get a PB performance. Uh, for Boston, the story is this. I was influenced by a friend of mine called Mr. Ko Hong Fat, who was then in his late 70s. He is my father's friend. And just like triathlon before, uh, before that, I've been influenced by the older people in the community. I have this question. I mean, he's older than I am, way older. If he can do it, so can I. A dangerous answer for oneself, huh? because unless you're prepared for it, it's easier said than done. So uh, Mr. Kong Park came back with a Boston medal and he showed it to me. Big mistake. When I held his medal in my hand, I was like, oh, I want it. And he told me, what, Enrico, you can do it. You definitely can run. So uh, go and get it. And in the soon thereafter, I got my first PB in Hong Kong Marathon. I think I did a 329.59. So I was stoked. But it was just one minute within. Not enough leeway to qualify. I came back again 2013. Gold Coast Airport Marathon. I got 316. And that was my first BQ, second BQ. And I got into Boston 2014. The, the critical year we call Boston Strong. And then I went back to my third BQ in Gold Coast Marathon. Because why? It's a weather, it's very cool. It's flat as a pancake, by most parts of it. And I got my 317 for that. I was pretty pleased. And then I went to Boston 2016. And 2016, after that Boston Marathon, I did Osaka Marathon. And I got a two, uh, 319. So, and uh, because it was, a, it was a bit more hilly course towards the end. And uh, I went to Boston 2018. And that was it. Um, so for now, I'm still thinking whether I'm going to go back. I would like to go back in 2022. Wow. Yeah. That is awesome. Uh, I want to ask you like those four or five things that you would like to share with the age group of, let's say, 44, 45, 50, 50 plus. How to improve on the timings. I know a lot of, uh, there's a very good culture of uh, running marathons, which is uh, developing in India through uh, Standard Charter Marathon or Mumbai Marathon and various other marathons that have come up now. And uh, like they say, running is the new golf. And a lot of corporate executives are coming into running and they're actually finding the joy of it. So there are uh, people in this great age group, which is uh, called also called as midlife, where people are taking up running. How do they improve on their timings without getting injured and uh, qualify for these faster races? Good question. Uh, over the years, I've been asked by my friends and um, you know uh, newbies, you know, in the sport, you know, how did you do that? So they, I related this experience briefly, you know, and then so uh, so I, I found it quite exhausting to explain in detail. So I I wrote a book, my first book, a uh, few years ago, I think four or five years ago, I wrote a book called Run Less, Run Faster. No disrespect to the there's a program or book that's a similar title. So it was Run Less, Run Faster, and Earn Your Boston qualifier. That was just a response as a teacher. I think if you write it out, you know, if you want to read it, it can open the door for other conversations. Um, so um, I, I'll just give you the main gist of it I, as it comes to my brain. Yeah? I think, uh, uh, I think uh, less is more. As I grow older, I realize I have an advantage. Running less or training less can be more. But what sort of training? That's an important question. You need to work with your coach or you need to explore and research. 
Um, so for me, it would be, you know, I think a long, long slow work, pace work is very important. Um, I, for me, once, one to two intense sessions a week is maximum. So whether it's one to two intense running sessions a week, that's the maximum for me. And by the way, racing is considered an intense session. So if I race on a Sunday, that is my intense session for the week. Secondly, sleep. You got to sleep adequately. I think in the COVID-19, what was great out of this whole experience was I got to sleep more and my recovery is better and I'm stronger now. Yeah. So I've been working more on my building my, 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 my strength. Number three, strength and conditioning. I think what I learned from bodybuilding and, um, and uh, about working uh, your muscles intensely is that stronger muscles will reduce your chances of injuries because muscles support the joint. Whether it's your knee or your elbow or your neck, I think muscles support your joint. It gives you more stable base and foundation. So never overlook strength training and conditioning. Uh, four, um, nutrition is very important. Regardless of whether you're in a high-fat, low-carbohydrate, keto or paleo or whatever, eat whole foods. And I know in, in India, you can get uh, access to some of the best you know, um, food, uh, natural foods around. Uh, so eat whole foods. Uh, focus on foods that are non-inflammatory or reduces inflammation. And that's something that was a side pet topic which we can talk about separately. You know, I think there are foods that reduces inflammation and inflammation has causes, caused many metabolic disorders uh, for any athlete. Um, so if a midlife crisis person wants to take sport, just be mindful very early. Take care of your body. Okay, that's the gist of it so far. You know, I can give you more. Absolutely. No, I think uh, I'll put that in the show notes as well so that uh, the link that people can directly order, order the book uh, itself and get a for insight. It was just a charity piece I did. So all my initial proceeds, I gave it to charity because I just wanted to get it off my chest. Uh, but I've since revised some of the thoughts on the book. So I think it's good to journal and write it down. So one of the things you, when you're working with a coach like yourself, Nishan, uh, would be journal your, your observations and experience, you know. Uh, so three questions. What went well during your race or training? What didn't go so well? And what would I do differently the next time? Be very nice initial points of thinking. Absolutely. Uh, guys, in fact, uh, if you're watching this and you're into any kind of endurance sports, every time you finish a race, uh, uh, listen to Enrico. Generally, just make notes and make those uh, notes maybe digitally or wherever you can access them uh, for your future preparations also whenever you're getting into any kind of training programs. It helps you to uh, not only fine-tune the areas of uh, weaknesses but also work on your strengths. So it helps you to become a better athlete and see quantifiable results. Of late, normally what happens is you just make a mental picture. Was I faster? What I, and at the end of it, we only look at uh, uh, the total end timing. But... There are other seven, eight parameters also like the rate of perceived exertion or your heart rates and uh, your cadence and you know various other uh, factors that you should be able to sort of look at. And that only happens if you quantify your data and journal it. Uh, absolutely. I think um, um, I got a little piece to share. I think uh, when I joined um, the endurance sports in the early days, one of my friends, Serlak, he said to me, first you complete, then you compete which is a great notion. Right? So racing is just race for the pure joy. Yes, it's more intense, but it's, it's an opportunity to assess and evaluate your training. So racing is actually a, a sort of measure of your training efforts. So if you get a PB, it's 
a bonus. If finishing is the most important part. So it doesn't matter how long it takes. As long as you do it within the cutoff point, that matters. So even in Kona, if you do the Ironman World Championships, as long as you come in under 17 hours, which is 16 hours, 59, uh, uh, 59 minutes and 59 seconds, you still uh, you know, honored with uh, the, that achievement. So I think um, goals matter. And um, yeah, if you want to challenge yourself further, use of um, validation. Simple, it uh, encapsulates the entire uh, new lifestyle that we are trying to encourage people to take up, uh, complete and then compete. Uh, that's, that's what it is. Uh, Enrico, you're also a senior uh, leadership executive coach. You help uh, people with their professional goals and uh, running organizations. Tell us a bit about uh, that and how endurance sport has helped you as a coach and how it is helping the CXOs, CEOs and uh, various business leaders to uh, make their businesses more better, profitable and you know, uh, become more efficient. It sounds like a coaching question I get a fair bit, right? Um, yes, I think, um, I think it's a thing called art imitates life. Uh, one of the things I've learned from my endurance sports in particular would be the fact that when you are racing, I have access anywhere from 1,000 to 2,000 participants in a half Ironman race. Many of them are holding key positions in organizations, entrepreneurs, C-suites, senior managers. What more than to be in an environment of shared suffering, be within the tribe itself, you know, tribal. Uh, you, have, you have permission to ask questions. So you have access to these people before, during and after the race to tap on this abundance of leadership potential. And um, that's, what, that's always been my research ground. You know? So if I had to do a PhD one day, this will be my pool of immense potential. Um, so I, I think there are many qualities of these participants I've, I've engaged with. Um, they all demonstrate many uh, leadership qualities. And I've, I found that I can relate to many of these values that they carry, such as persistence, determination, tenacity, patience, uh, uh, consistency, uh, excellence. Too many to think about, but they're, they're great to see them being demonstrated. So when we were racing together at the time, we were not familiar with each other. Uh, the, we had a sense of profound respect for each other, regardless of which direction we were going. So, you know, uh, when you're swimming, yes, you are, you are concerned that you're being stung by jellyfish, but the guy next to you is also being stung. So I probably, I probably thank the guy next to me for shielding me off from more jellyfish. We never know. So, you know what I'm saying? And uh, so, yeah, uh, coming back to this one, I, I found that they, um, they tend to parallel each other. Uh, so from a leadership, uh, uh, especially on leadership, I've always been very inspired. So I would say I'm, I'm inspired by these people and it drives me to want to continue my work even further. I think that's a way of honoring the, the, the work and the, uh, the field. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think uh, taking up any sport uh, uh, changes you, not just mentally, physiologically, but uh, psychologically. And it has... Uh, deep impacts on your professional as well as personal life. So uh, it's important that uh, you get into sports like we have had conversations with previous uh, speakers as well, where uh, the most important thing to learn is that when you get into a sport, get into uh, any sport for the fun of it. And then you try and derive uh, the distances and speeds and other things that just come naturally to you. Join a tribe, join a group. And uh, it helps you to sort of uh, connect with like-minded people. 
feel a little more uh, motivated that you are on the mission and also like enrico just mentioned uh, you share the same kind of pain together and keep moving forward oh i this reminds me of um, i was in um, 2007 in vineman which is a, a low key uh, boutique ironman race in sonoma valley in california it's a wine region so i was with my friend uh, walter walter struck he's a phd and um, we looked at each other and said, you know, why are we in this sport? And the answer was, because we are all influenced by idiots. <laughs> you know, because you are, you, if you're a pool of similar-minded people, you don't feel so bad. It's, yes, it's crazy and it's insane what we do sometimes. When the weather is bad, you're out cycling out with the, your small group of people. You know, you, you're struggling doing your laps in the pool. But, you know, deep down inside, you're not alone. You're never alone. Uh, you feel assured that you have your your compatriots, so to speak, uh, also share in the, in the suffering, the sweet suffering, if you will, in a separate place. Absolutely. Uh, my father, uh, who was in the Indian Army, Colonel Inder Mohan, he always used to tell me that uh, when you are with your troops, when you're doing it together, regardless of uh, what kind of training you are going through, what kind of uh, terrains, what kind of weather you're going through, but if you have camaraderie and you're marching together, each marching together uh, makes the suffering it's still there. It's going to be there. But when you're doing it together, that uh, company, that vibe sort of just takes you forward and uh, gets you in, on your mission. I, I, I'm, so, I'm so pleased that your dad was a former uh, military officer. I'm, I'm a junior officer in the reserves. So I found that my formal training as a cadet and then becoming a young officer and subsequently becoming a more uh, uh, mature officer over the years uh, was that it helped me. That I discovered leadership qualities which I can use in my endurance sports. So I, I remember the times we suffered together and I'm sure your dad has told you many stories regarding you know, the, the, um, the type of uh, specific preparation they did. Um, it helps, it helps. And uh, I can use that to drive through. And that's where we say we respect each other for their qualities. That everyone who takes the first step forward into the unknown or out of comfort zone is indeed a leader. Because to lead is to influence, to influence is to lead. So if you influence someone to pick up the sport indirectly or directly, you have just exhibited your role as a leader. And I think that's great. Now we are all surrounded by leaders who share a similar weekend madness. Absolutely. This brings us to the final part of our uh, chat here, which is the rapid fire round. Uh, now there is uh, one issue that we have I have just bumped into because you've seen the previous episodes <laughs> you have seen some of the questions so I will just change the questions what we're going to do, be doing is uh, you will get uh, uh, about five seconds to answer each questions we will I will ask you certain uh, questions and uh, you will have to answer without thinking much do think do I get more seconds because I'm slightly older <laughs> You get 17 hours to finish an Ironman for a pro as well as any age group athlete. So you don't get any extra time. First you complete, then you compete. Remember that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, before we proceed to rapid fire, how many countries have you traveled to? Like uh, overall world and for racing? Okay. Before I answer that, I love all the places I visited. Some I will visit again. Uh, I think I covered... Um, I think Europe, uh, the, the United States, and Asia. So these are the three main areas I've been. Okay. How many uh, stamps on your passport then? Okay, we can discuss that later. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, there were enough. I think most, unfortunately, most of my trips are all race trips rather than uh, business trips. 
Awesome. Okay, great. Okay, just uh, let's begin with the rapid fire round. Are you ready? I hope. Are you ready? Okay, I'm ready. Okay, let's do this. What do you like more, pool swim or open water swim? Open water. Okay. Because nobody can see me suffer. <laughs> okay. In order of preference, uh, which sport do you like the most? Uh, swim, bike, run, body weight, uh, weightlifting, track and field, or any other sport that you've uh, dabbled into? Wow. This is hard. Uh, I think bicycle uh, riding, because I'm seated all the time, and it's going to be very scenic, followed by... I like, I like open water swim, although I, I, don't, I don't excel in it. And thirdly, will be running. It is my best station, but I find it too much of a hard work. I'm not really a fan of running. And then uh, I think calisthenics takes a close fourth because it's a new area of development. Yeah, okay, okay. Uh, guys, uh, Enrico is also a passionate magician. Oh, so, Enrico, what, is, uh, what are your favorite tricks or, uh, you know, uh, what, do, what are the tricks that you like to exhibit or watch? Okay. The field that I do is called close-up magic, which means magic done within close proximity. So now we are on over Zoom. And if, uh, if, if this, this, the same distance would be translated in real time. If you were face-to-face, -face, I would uh, do th things right under your nose, so to speak. And um, um, I don't know. If I can demonstrate to you, I could do something like this and say if I could produce a coin out of nowhere. Yeah, I could do that. Uh, and then um, and I can produce a second coin. Yeah. Or if I want to, I can produce a, a, a third coin. So that's pretty much it. As easily as these coins come, they vanish. Just like so. Wow. That's the first one. The second coin disappears just like so. So that's two. Third coin goes as a coin. It's still here. The last coin goes like this, goes up there, and it vanishes like so. Yeah, that's close up for you. Okay, that that was a reverse rapid rapid fire round for me. <laughs> okay, I'm slowing you down. I'm pacing. Yeah, <laughs> out of your decades of uh, exp uh, travel experiences for sports, what are your favorite travel hacks? Travel hacks meaning. Uh, meaning, uh, how do you manage to take entire baggage, your bike and everything, and you know, still not pay, end up paying like huge sums of money in uh, excess baggage? My goodness, that's a secret, isn't it? Okay, um, because I, I travel a fair bit, I have uh, you know um, frequent flyer cards, so I get a bit more weight. Uh, if you if not, what you do is, I think this is recommended. If you you, you need excess baggage for your bike case and all the equipment, travel with your spouse or partner. Yeah, always travel with the family, you get more space. That's the nicest way to, reason to bring your family along. And um, I think that's pretty much solves the problem. The emotional baggage part, that one, I cannot put a cost to that. Wow. It just took a serious turn at the end. <laughs> Unexpected. <laughs> that was like one of the dark... Uh, series on Netflix suddenly changed. If you've not seen check it out. Yes, I like, I Netflix, I like Netflix. If you're asking me which my favorite, uh, Disney or Netflix, yes. Okay. Uh, what is your most favorite location to race? Most ever, like, top number one? Uh, I, I think uh, if 
I were to answer it slightly, I think the places I return for a second or third time, those would be my preferred places, which I think I aforementioned earlier. So Boston or Kona? Oh, I love to go back to Kona again. I just need to wait another 13 months. Uh, no, I think they all have their own um, um, uniqueness and, and, and special, special experiences. Um, but I mean, regardless, I would love to go back to every country I've raised before. So, mm, seriously, I would love to go back to any country. Sure. Okay. So, uh, what are your favorite uh, shoes running brands? Running shoes brands? That's a tough one. Huh? Does Barefoot count? No. Uh, I think I, uh, based on the, my career last 10 years in particular or so, I think I, most of my BQs were secured in ONS. And I still use on now for my training. Awesome. Uh, what's yeah. your favorite uh, bicycle brand? Favorite brand? I have several brands. I have four bicycles which I kept since day one. I'm not, I'm not a good customer for replacing bikes annually. I have my first bike, which is an Obeya. I have my um, Elite bike, which is a custom-made bike, which I race in Kona with. And I also have my Sipo. C-E-E-P-O, Japanese brand, which uh, I enjoy riding also. So currently, I have a Boardman. A bike which I always dream of having, and I'm riding that now. Um, I'm, I'm open to brands. I would like to ride a Canyon or a Specialized one day. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, you are uh, pretty active on uh, Instagram and the LinkedIn. What are your favorite uh, social media platforms, and what is the favorite pla- uh, format that you like to create your content in? Well, you are the you are probably the expert in this field, Coach Mishand. Uh, I started with Facebook reluctantly, but I enjoy that platform because it's very sociable. Uh, recently, I migrated towards uh, LinkedIn because I think LinkedIn is like Facebook for, for, um, for business. And I found it to be quite satisfying. And I also see your postings also on, on this network. Instagram is a new one for me. I did it out of, out of sheer curiosity. And uh, only thing is that you, you got to have a photograph before you can post anything. So uh, that has been quite interesting because I connect more with the athletes like yourself over the last few months. So that has been quite satisfying. Sure. Awesome. Uh, oh, yeah. And YouTube. And YouTube, of course. Since we're on this YouTube channel, lots of my learning, um, like Natasha Poole before me, I like YouTube because there's so much to learn and explore. Seriously, I think uh, YouTube is a nice medium. Absolutely. Okay. That is a common answer that all of you have given so far. New, uh, but uh, the depth of YouTube is actually uh, get to learn everything. Yeah. Uh, last two questions. Uh, when do you like to train more? Uh, morning or evening or afternoon? Oh, that's a tough one. Based on my circadian rhythm, I'm, uh, I'm not a morning person. Auto races take part mostly in the morning. So let me answer this. If I ride long, mornings. But I like to do my running and swimming in the evenings. Awesome. Uh, do you, what do you like more, black coffee or uh, regular coffee? Now you are talking, man. Uh, I, like, I, like, I like coffee. I'm a coffee lover. I, I have too much, you know, I have too much coffee at times, I think. Um, I like strong coffee. I like the Indian filtered coffee. I like strong. I, I drink it black these days as part of the no sugar, low carbohydrate, high fat approach. Uh, but yeah, I, 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 love a, I love a cup of coffee, for sure. Awesome, awesome. You have been uh, so honest with your answers. Thank you so much for uh, the rapid fire round. Uh, thank you, Enrico, for taking out your time. 
any parting shots parting words for uh, the listeners yeah one is uh, i i hope i didn't ramble on too much you know because um for, you know always uh, it's an honor for me to meet you and have a conversation and i always enjoy conversations like this i think the for the most part endurance sports is about this it's about creating relationships new and existing one and engaging with the person i think some of my most enjoyable experiences took place during training or after a race or sometimes even during a race you know what i mean so i would say uh, enjoy the process if you don't like what you do do something else you can always return to it um i think endurance sports allows you an opportunity to act, perform as long as you want to yes you're slowing down in a sense but no in endurance sport you are not slowing down you can actually be speeding up so there's no end point as long as you uh, keep moving one foot forward all the time absolutely enrico is aging better than uh, the finest wines we have guys if you enjoyed this uh, episode subscribe to trifantry chronicles and we are going to keep bringing global superstars such as enrico thank you for uh, doing this i hope some of you watching take up the uh, sports of running or triathlons in your uh, lifestyle and uh, long lifelong journey of fitness thank you so much have a great day guys if you enjoyed this story subscribe to my youtube channel try fantry and i will keep bringing you global stories of motivated individuals you can also write to me at coach@tryfantry.com keep training train into our conquer